Hello and welcome to the Balancing Act podcast for working mums. Here you can find the tools and inspiration you need to overcome the constant juggle and live with more simplicity, ease and fulfilment in your everyday. I'm your host, Debbie, a balance coach and a working mum myself, and I'm super happy to be here with you. Hello and a very warm welcome back to the Balancing Act podcast. As ever, it is fantastic to have you here. I really appreciate you joining me this week and I am absolutely delighted to be hosting another guest interview. This time it is one with one of my own coaches, Vix Anderton from The Practical Balance. I've worked with Vix for quite a few years now and she has been absolutely instrumental in supporting me to get more in tune with the things that really matter to me and then making these things a part of my everyday life in a way that feels manageable and sustainable and just feels good. Um, And I think when I first came into contact with Vix, it felt like a bit of a chance encounter. It was through an email popped into my inbox one night and I just happened to open it. And in the the newsletter was a profile of Vix and her recent career change. And there was something about it that just instantly resonated with me. Um, But I think in hindsight now, the impact that working with her has had on my life. It feels like that was so much more than just a coincidence. So as you might guess, we enjoyed a a really animated and highly enthusiastic discussion around topics that we're both incredibly passionate about. Vix gives very generously of her, her experience, her wisdom, her knowledge, and she also shares a number of practical resources that you can take away and use They're all linked to in the show notes, so I'd really encourage you to take a look and dive into any that perk your interest. So without any further ado, let's get going. Good morning, Vix, and a very warm welcome to the Balancing Act podcast. It is absolutely wonderful to have you here. Um, I said to you just before we started, I've been really, really looking forward to this chat for a long time. Um, And I know that I know you very well, but for many of um, our listeners, this will be the first time that they've been introduced to you. So I wondered if you could maybe start by telling us a little bit about yourself and also about the practical balance. Uh, Yeah. Oh, I don't don't quite know where to start with with all of that. Um, So... That should be like the easiest question. Who are you? <laughs> I don't know this morning. Um, so right now I am, I'm down in Brighton, just moved down here uh, from London. And um, it's really lovely. The, the sun's like streaming in through the window and I've got really toasty toes in the, uh, in the sunshine. Um, uh, I guess like professionally, I mean, I'm a bit of a multi-potentialite. So like my main focus through the practical balance is guiding recovering perfectionists, overachievers and overthinkers um, out of those particular ruts and back to a place that that doing things feels good. So, you know, I'm very much one of those 
uh, one of those people, like like a lot of coaches, I work with people who were on a really similar journey to to me. And what I have come to realize is my my particular, I think, the, the perfectionist way of doing things requires a lot of self brutalization, self bullying, um, and this idea of like just pushing through endurance, and it it's hard. Uh, and so I'm really interested in guiding people to a place that we can still get things done. And, and that's still a positive thing to have in the world. Um, and doing that in a way that feels good, that feels sustainable and light and fun occasionally. Mm. So I've been doing that for a few years on this, uh, around, uh, I do a lot of consultancy sort of training work, a lot of really around resilience and um, uh, promoting performance in high stress environments. So I train aid workers before they go to conflict zones. I do a lot of work around diversity and inclusion, which is a, another uh, another aspect of, uh, you know, when people don't feel included, it's very hard to perform at your best. So I do all sorts of, uh, all sorts of that stuff uh, these days. Amazing. Um, and I noticed at the end there you said these days because this <laughs> isn't always what you've done. Um, and I think you've got a really interesting background story. And I wondered if you would feel comfortable sharing a little bit of that and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. I don't want to try really answer the how because <laughs> it's mostly been like <laughs> blind luck and just things sort of working out. So, yeah, um, my career started in the Royal Air Force. Uh, so I was an intelligence officer for nearly 10 years so essentially all of my all of my 20s um and and I left uh, I think I was 31 so yeah coming up to seven years ago now um and I left for like a lot of the reasons that I think people leave big organizations in their early 30s um and you know this is a journey that that you've been on in in the last couple of years albeit in slightly Mm. different circumstances but I, I mean, essentially, I, I kind of, I started to hear, I started to hear that little voice that said, I think I'm meant to be somewhere else. I think there might be something more to life than, than this. You know, is this, is this really what I think life is all about? And that started as a little whisper when I was about 27. And um, because I'm, I've uh, been an overthinker, I managed to ignore that. You know, that wasn't a logical thing to do. I had a really good career in the Air Force. Um, you know, I managed to like ignore that voice for quite a long time until uh until it was literally screaming at me and I ended up leaving in 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 quite a rush. You know, I'd sort of taken three years to make the decision and then I was like, get me out, get me out now. <laughs> um so I left and um took me a little while to kind of find my feet again, but ended up in the international development sector. So I spent some time in Bangladesh and Bay route and then back in a back in a senior position in in London which is exactly what I thought I wanted um and it's really interesting like four and a half years ago um I found myself being signed off work uh with kind of stress and burnout um I was depressed I was having suicidal thoughts and at the same time you know I had this really great job in London I had just bought a flat which you know no mean feet in central London and I had a boyfriend you know I had all of the things that I was meant to have and I couldn't understand why I was feeling just so low and and awful um and and I ended up leaving uh leaving full-time employment so I've been self-employed uh since um and really that sort of brought me to that the, the place where I'm with the practical balance it's really been my own journey of I I want I want to achieve things in the world you know I'm I'm driven I enjoy creating I enjoy 
the act of doing things. Um, but I didn't want to go back to a place where I was pushing myself to be to to burn out and to to both poor physical and uh, and and mental health. Um, and so, yeah, the last sort of uh, four years, but particularly the last, I'd say, two and a half have been like really um, impactful for me in terms of sort of uh, self-development, spiritual development. Um, we can talk a little bit about embodiment and you know, my journey around that. Um, uh, but yeah, really coming to, I guess, a place where I want to define success on my own terms, mm. you know, in a way that like, what is it that makes me feel good? What, make, what is it that makes me feel alive uh, in, my, in my work and finding ways of working that, um, are sustainable that work with my energy rather than me having to be in, being kind of like endurance gritted teeth just like pushing through all of the all of the time mm. um, so yeah actually when I when I left full-time employment I, I got a little mantra um, which was I, I, I live a life that I don't need a holiday from and oh. like that's been like quite a, you know that and um, I have this aspiration when I left the Air Force that I wanted to I wanted to be in my nursing home when I was like 90 and I wanted to have stories like I wanted to have a life that's like full of experience and that I don't need a holiday from um, and so yeah I've just been figuring out like practically hence the practical balance like how does that actually work because I hear like there's some really beautiful teachings out there and um, you know, if you've got unlimited wealth and you don't have like commitments, you know, I know your audience are all parents, you know, that that complicates things. You can't just go and do exactly what you want when you want. So how how can we work with these these ideas in a way that is actually practical and works in in everyday life? Mm, yeah, I really like that. I think it's um, so what you said about this, um, you know, a lot of people going through the, re- the same realization in like their early 30s ish which seems to come so it doesn't really seem to be a coincidence because I think you know so often we do strive for the things that we are sort of told makes up success and it's quite often by your early 30s that you've sort of achieved all of those things and then you get there and you think oh this isn't this doesn't feel quite the way I expected it to feel and you know it gives you that opportunity then to to reevaluate. um but I've heard you talk about, um, I think you, you mentioned it in the beginning there, actually, you refer to yourself as a recovering perfectionist. And um, I think that like before I before I heard you describe it in that way, like I always thought of perfectionism as a good thing because, you know, mm-hmm. we think that that being a perfectionist, we have high standards and we like to do things to the best of our ability and it always ensures like a, the best possible outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so why did you, why did you abandon perfectionism? Um, because I realised that, that it's not about the best. Like this is the, the really interesting thing about perfectionism, that there is a narrative in the world that it is a good thing. And I'm not denying that striving to do your best um, caring about detail, all of those things are, are, aren't important. But for me, I think the realization was perfectionism was coming from a place of fear. Yeah, so it's coming from a place of like, I'm, I'm not enough, that I have to earn my right to exist in the world. Um, uh, the, and because, you know, if you're, you have perfectionist tendencies, it's never enough. Like there is, you know, it, it's in, it's an impossible target to start with. Like nothing is ever perfect, um, and, and there's something about like perfectionism that both 
like it sets us up to fail Mm. like straight off the bat and and there's something really interesting about being in this dynamic where like no matter what I do and how hard I can work I'm always going to fail because I can never achieve this this standard yeah And, and as I got more into the embodiment side of things as well like I noticed that for me like perfectionism it's tight like everything's constricted and hard and um there's just there's no there's no softness there there's no compassion there's no there's no room for learning um and I, it's always been something I've really been fascinated in myself like I love to learn you know I love to read I love to consume information um but give me feedback and I like even positive feedback I remember doing um an authentic relating tra- training last year and um I got such good feedback in the session that I actually couldn't cope with it <laughs> like, <laughs> I had a massive freak out I was totally triggered like by the idea of good, like I just it it completely blew my mind and um and and then I was on this this embodiment training last year and my teacher mentioned self-brutalization and it was like a light bulb went off I was like oh yeah yeah like the only way I can the only way I've learned to push myself is essentially like beating myself up every day um, um, and that that's not actually a place you know everything I, I now know about like the physiology of stress for example that it makes us stress and stress makes us dumb conservative and mean so the research suggests that we lose about 20 IQ points when we're stressed wow. we get conservative so we we're we're not very creative but we're literally not able to see options um and it makes us mean you know, like we withdraw from the world or we get like snappy and angry with the world um, and none of those things are particularly useful if you actually care about doing your best. And none of those things like feel good. You know, I'm a great believer, like we only have one life and it, it's, you know, perfectionism, I think, focuses us on a, on a, on a destination. Oh, if I can just do this, if I could just make this happen, if, you know, if, 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 then I, then I can be happy, then I'll feel good. And I think it ignores the fact that actually there's possibility of, and I say feel good, I mean full, uh, alive. I'm not saying that means like we constantly have to be happy. I think that's, again, that's like a false, a false premise. I mean, there's a sense of I can feel alive. Mm. And for me, like the idea of when I'm, when I'm in those places, when I've let go of the perfectionism, suddenly I feel so much more spacious. Like my body relaxes. I feel more open. Um, the analogy I often use is like, it's like being like a goalkeeper. You know, goalkeepers are like really light on their feet because they're able, you know, they're waiting to respond. You know, a, a, a goalkeeper that's like a perfectionist and is like fixed and like, God, I must get this right. Can't possibly let a, let a goal go in. in, in well, I can't let the ball go in the net. Oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, and while, all the while, like the ball's sailing past me because you not this, right? So it's idea of kind of like this relaxed, relaxed alertness, you know, that I could respond. I, I can be responsive rather than reactive. Uh, to the world um yeah and, yeah, and the recovery thing is because uh it's a, you know it's a practice I've I've grown up in in this way of you know, this has been a useful strategy for me over the years um I, it's been a useful strategy to a lot of people um over the years and I think there's so much about our school system and um society that kind of like primes us you know I've basically been chasing a stars since yeah. I was for as long as I can remember and this is the thing this is what led me to burn out as an adult there is no there's nobody to give you an A star yeah there's nobody to say like you've done it you've achieved so there's a sense of like oh god I've just got to keep going 
Um, and so the recovering thing is to acknowledge that um, moving away from, from that, that perfectionism is, is a practice and it's a journey and it's, it's okay when I notice that I'm falling back into it. Mm. And that's another opportunity to learn. So I'm really, I'm really careful with, with this whole kind of um, work that I don't I'm not in I'm not surreptitiously giving myself like another set of standards right yes Yes. that's what happens right you know you just like sneaking well now I now I expect myself now I should should is a key word for perfectionists I should be more relaxed and I should be this that and the other and I was like oh yeah like all I've all I've done is just swap swap one version of success for another (laughs) I know It's so funny because I can relate to like so much of what you say. And I think that for me, um, it was always, you know, I can very much relate to like always striving for the A star because like an A wasn't good enough, you know, um, very much through school and even through my early years of work. And that all felt like to me, that all felt manageable in some way because I just thought that that's the way it was. And it wasn't really then until... I became a mum and added kids into the mix that it then became like a problem as such mm-hmm. and it became you know it was to the point of overwhelm where I felt like I it like I couldn't like I didn't want I could not that I couldn't I didn't want to like things to be that way anymore mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. that's then when when we started working together and um I think that especially with kids in the mix I find like being in that sort of the the not relaxed state um they then tend to mirror that back at me I find um mm-hmm. and then just being able to sort of let go a little bit and go with the flow I think in I find in motherhood is beneficial for both me and the rest of the family as well so I think it's so interesting how that um, approach can translate to so many different aspects of mm-hmm. life. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, and I think what you're pointing to is that for most people, because th- th- these patterns are adaptive. Yeah, our, our bodies are incredibly intelligent. And, and these, these patterns, these behaviours that we have are there for a reason. You know, at some point in our lives, they've worked. And it, it's only when we meet a situation, a context in our lives where suddenly that strategy is not working mm. and that's really difficult because you know I, I know for me I sort of I felt like I was floundering for a little bit because like well this strategy doesn't work <laughs> like I don't know what else to do yeah. um so but we, we we need like something has to shift I think for us to for us to notice so you know the the sort of the standard analogy is that a fish can't see the water that they're swimming in mm. you know when we're in uh our sort of our core embodiment or you know these sort of core patterns that have existed in us for a long time we don't notice that we're in them until we're in a situation or life changes and suddenly suddenly they're brought into focus yeah oh oh actually I have a choice about this you know I might need to learn you know saying like I need to learn a new strategy I need to learn a a new way of being uh, in order to really enact that choice but but oh suddenly I do have a choice I don't have I don't have to live like this yeah wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> so just before we started um recording there we were talking about the the one percent comfort idea that I've been mm-hmm. playing with recently um from based on your suggestion and 
for me, that's been a real, like, that's been a real opener to that choice. So, you know, um, I think sometimes it's difficult, especially like in the moment, it can, can be quite difficult to like change everything. But I find um, that approach of just adding 1% more comfort or 1% more ease or 1% more simplicity feels more doable. And um, it sort of just, like sets things on a slightly different path yeah absolutely so this this idea comes from uh from Wendy Palmer just to to give her the credit for it um and it's it's actually like a centering technique um but for me like I've I've been playing with it a lot because often you know moving moving from another another key sort of like trait of perfectionist is that we tend to see things as black or white so things are either easy or they're not um, and the idea of something being easy, uh, I think for me as a perfectionist, I'm just like, it doesn't compute. I'm like, surely if it, things can't be easy and worthwhile, like that, that doesn't work. So this idea of 1% or like just a little bit, it's like an, it's like an, an access point. So rather than mm. it having to be like, um, I'm either working and I'm fully focused and like, or I'm like chilled out on the beach in a hammock, like totally relaxed. It's like, oh, like... It, given what I'm doing right now, is there a way that I could be 1% more comfortable? Or like the question that I've been using in Connection Cafe is like, could we, could you use 5% less effort to achieve the same effect right now? Yeah. And it just, these like small questions that I think just orientate us to a different possibility. And, you know, sometimes for me, I'd be curious to hear your experience as well of this. You know, when I ask the question, you know, could I be 1% more comfortable now? Like sometimes there's a really clear answer. It's like, yes, you know what? I'm going to go sit on the sofa and I'm going to like curl up under a blanket. And I'm going to work from there for a couple of hours. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it just, it, it shifts something in my embodiment. So mm. suddenly it's like, oh no, I could, I could just be a little bit more comfortable in myself right now. And, and that would feel, that would feel good. Um, yeah, I think it's a super powerful question. And I'm loving that it's, it's resonated with you Yeah, so it really much. has. Because I think... Um... It's it's been part of the, the, the physical doing, you know, like getting yourself a glass of water, for example, you know, that's that's always going to feel good and beneficial. But it's also for me been like the opportunity to set an intent for something different. So it just gives me that opportunity to think about what I'm doing and how I want to show up. And I find that equally, if maybe not more so beneficial than like the physical doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. There's something in there for me about permission as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. I think, you know, for many of us, and, you know, I know many parents that I work with and, and you know, the thing about sort of like overachievers, that nobody told us that this could be, yeah. like we could do stuff and we could be comfortable. Yes. This is a, a permission of like, yes, yes, you can absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I love the what you said there about it, you know, the fact that something was easy just didn't compute because I know that like I said, I, I have done and I probably still do to some extent feel that like unless something's hard work, then it's sort of not an achievement almost, you know, mm-hmm. you sort of think that things have to be difficult to like um, warrant the achievement almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we have to earn it. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, it feels like we've covered a lot there already. The other thing <laughs> I wanted to talk about was a cyclical living, because I know that that's something that you're really passionate about, and I've heard you talk about um a lot before. So 
Um, for anyone who this idea might be new to, would you mind just sort of giving an introduction as to what it means to be practicing cyclical living? Sure. So um, I, I actually came at this through um, reading Daniel Pink's book, When, which is all about the sort of the science of, of, of timing. And he talked a lot about circadian rhythms. And, and I was like, wow, this is like really fascinating that there might be different times of the day that I'm more suited to do different activities. Uh, and I've since gone on to explore, you know, you can use any cycle or any rhythm um, for, for cyclical living. So the idea is essentially that, you know, we're, we're not machines. I think there is a kind of a narrative out there, um, very much informed by like the technology that we have, that we need to always be on. Mm. Yeah, that, that we, we're, we're like, you know, like my computer, like I can just keep going. I don't need to stop and rest. Like it will perform at the same standard throughout the day. It's not impacted by emotions. Um, and, and that's great. Uh, it's not true. <laughs> um, you know, as human beings, we are, we are, we're, we're natural beings. You know, we have rhythm. Um, and if you look at anything else in the natural world, you know, so we, we were talking about the sort of, you know, it's a glorious sunny day today where we're definitely kind of like moving into spring. Like we can see it outside. We see the shifts in the seasons. Um, like we have that internal rhythm, like everything about us, like right now, you know, your, your heart is beating based on this, this like cycle you're breathing, you know, you have these hormone cycles playing out, circadian rhythms. Uh, as women, we, uh, or, uh, women who have menstrual cycles, people who have menstrual cycles, like we have those, we're influenced by the moon, the seasons. Uh, and then if you just even look at the way that human beings create process, we very rarely create linear process. So we have like the project management cycle and the action learning cycle, like everything, really everything about us is, is based on cycles. And so the idea of cyclical living is basically bringing some awareness to that. And then through awareness, we can generate choice. So rather than, um, rather than uh, forcing ourselves, forcing our bodies to be in a place where they're not, it's about paying attention and, and trying to go with the flow a little bit more. Um, so not, you know like we live in a world that has constraints like it, it's I'm not saying for anybody that you suddenly have to be completely in sync with your circadian rhythm or your menstrual cycle um but even recognizing you know where you are in your cycle for example you know okay I'm, I'm about to I'm about to bleed like what does my energy do at that point in the month what do I need to support myself um could I take a little bit more rest for example or if not is there something I can do to you know, because my, my my personal energy is, is really low, particularly in the days just before my bleed, mm-hmm. like that kind of autumn phase and my inner critic gets really loud. And I, I know now that like, that is not the time for me to try and get loads of stuff done. Like, it's not the time for me to try and like reach out to people. Like, I don't really like people. I don't like myself that much at that point, at that point of the month. So whereas like right now, you know, ovulated a couple of days ago, I'm feeling like quite energized and and upbeat and like this is a great time for doing something like a podcast for example Um, so we can start to we can start to have more choice or more intention about when we do things and so that we're taking advantage actually of the sort of the natural the natural powers that we have at different times of day or different times of year or or whatever Mm. I I really like that and I think it brings like a bit of the 
like for me, I found it quite empowering to bring in a bit of my like feminine energy into that and realize that I can actually like work with it in some way um, rather than it being like, you know, rather than it feeling like it's holding me back at that, you know, at a particular time of the month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I still get that feeling of being held back at times. You know, I don't particularly like that feeling, you know, just before I bleed um you know as an overachiever I don't particularly like the sort of the resting phases of cycles like that's something I have to keep practicing with um but what what the the cycles and I can talk about the, the model uh, behind this sort of the principles what the cycles does is, is give us permission and it sort of says that there is a a right time for everything mm. so kind of lean into um lean into the strengths uh, and we can you know acknowledge that the things are different. Like most of us experience like that kind of like early afternoon slump. Yeah. Um, but how many of us, particularly if like you're self-employed and you're managing your own time, how many of us say, you know what, actually I'm not going to work in the afternoon. I'm not going to push through those times that I feel awful and I procrastinate and I don't really get anything done anyway. Mm. I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to take a bit of time off and I'm going to come back when I do feel more focused and more, more energized but this and again this is why I really like the cycle I was scared for a long time that if I stopped I wouldn't get going again oh right yeah 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 because I thought it was linear it was binary it's a perfectionism again like the sort of the binary I'm either doing or I'm not doing and if I stop like what if I'm really lazy like, what if I get going again whereas like the cycles and my experience of working with them says that Actually, if I allow myself to rest well, like if I allow myself to the, the transitions and I allow myself that rest, my energy always picks back up again. Um, and and like I, you, you then can't, you can't stop me doing things at other times of the month if I actually honour what my body, and, and this is the point, my body is doing all this stuff anyway. So it's like, are you listening and you taking that into account mm-hmm. or are you ignoring yourself and your needs and kind of riding roughshod over over all of that which is it's like it's not sustainable it will come back and bite you at some point yeah I find that actually um with like sort of leaning into it it's it's helped me almost build up a sense of trust in my mm. body because you know if I'm able to give myself a bit of a bit of downtime when I need um and not force myself to do things that I really really don't want to do at that time I can then trust that like in another week's time my energy will have picked up again and I will feel like doing that particular thing and it'll feel good for doing so and I think then yeah just being able to practice that over a few cycles as I say it Mm -hmm. helps build up this trust almost yeah absolutely and I often get people like the menstrual cycle is a classic one that uh, you know there's lots of kind of menstrual cycle coaches out there now which I think is brilliant um I find it's actually quite a hard one to start with because it's quite a long period of time, you know, working with like a month. So I often start with people um, a day, like a day is really helpful because you can, it's quite easy to kind of map out your energy over a day, you know, two or three times over the course of a week and and see what happens. And and it's relatively easy to start making small changes and starting to get immediate feedback. Um, So you're talking about the sense of trust. You're like, okay, well, if I, if I pay a little bit more tr- uh, attention to the transitions, uh, so, you know, the, the spring and the autumn, the, how we start things and how we end things, it, you know, I can start making small changes and I can start noticing whether that's working relatively quickly. Whereas, you know, working with, say, the menstrual cycle or, or the moon cycle, the calendar month, if you don't have a natural menstrual cycle for whatever reason, 
you know, or working with the seasons, like that's quite hard. Because if I experiment with something in spring, I don't really know if it's worked and I can't repeat that experiment for another year. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, people are starting, want to kind of get into this. Um, and I've actually just launched like a little free seven day challenge to help people kind of like try this out oh fantastic um, uh, so yeah we i'll make sure you've got the link for that yeah brilliant. I, uh, yeah getting people to start with the small things like start small and and you know build up that sense of trust of like okay actually it does make a difference if i if i transition into my day a little bit differently now what would it be like to apply that uh to the month or to to the year Mm, yeah so that that leads on really um nicely to my next question because I was going to ask you um I guess what would be your tips for you know any mums listening who might are interested in this and might want to give it a go but don't feel like they always have you know full control over their time because they've got little people around or mm-hmm. um they've got family obligations what what would you what would you advise them yeah so I mean this comes back this there's like sort of the one percent question um and you know I think one of the traits of perfectionists is that we do we do have this like all or nothing but it's like I'm not doing it all properly then there's no point me doing it at all and, and I'd really like people to kind of come at it from like what happens if I try a little bit of this so what would it be like to have a little bit more of a smooth transition into into the day so um, giving like my personal example of this, um, which I know won't necessarily be applicable to everybody like this, but I am, um, my morning routine used to look like wake up, immediately get out of bed, go for a run, come back, shower, uh, meditate, journal, uh, and then get on with my day. So I was literally starting my day with like full on activity. And as I started to kind of understand, actually, uh, this importance of the, the transition. So if you think about it in terms of driving, you know, if you were in a car with somebody who um, kept like slamming the brake on and then slamming the accelerator on and you were kind of like, oh, stop, start, like bouncing about. It's not a very nice drive. Whereas skillful drivers ease. Yeah, you know, you're like mm. ease off the accelerator to come to a stop. And then you're like ease into the, like it's much more efficient for the engine, if nothing else, and a much smoother ride. So I was like, how can I apply that to my morning? And all I've done is like reorientate that. So now rather than getting up and go for a run, I get up, I meditate, I stretch, I do a bit of yoga, I meditate, take my time, and then I go for a run. And I've noticed that it's just like, it means that my energy is peaking at the right time. Now I come back from a run, I feel like energized and fresh from the shower. And then I'm into, into work mode. Just like, it feels like it just makes more sense for me. So, so that would be my encouragement. Um, notice like the small things that you can do rather than like I can't do everything perfectly right now like what are the small things that that you could do um so that starts with awareness so I always suggest to people start by paying attention you know for a week simply pay attention to how you feel at different points in the day and so one way of doing that is to set an alarm on your phone you know, uh, I quite like five times a day. So first thing in the morning, lunchtime, in the evening, then a couple in the middle. And just check in with yourself, like, how do you feel? Um, and if you want to do this in a bit more of a sort of scientific, pseudo-scientific way, um, give yourself a bit of a rating. So I like to rate myself on like my physical energy. So like how tired or awake I feel, my mental energy, so how focused I feel. 
and my my mood mm-hmm. um and you know you can just give yourself a little score out of 10 make a note of it somewhere do that for a few days and notice like notice like what are the times of day that feel like um oh yeah i always really focused in the morning okay brilliant how could you make the most of that is there something that you could move around in your diary could you take could you could you find five minutes in the morning um and again you know I know like particularly for new mums like that can be incredibly challenging um you know can you can you find one minute could you find one minute to sit in a comfortable chair you know like with your child you know there's no reason like they can't be part of part of this um to you know to check in with yourself I don't say to like to meditate formally but like how am I how am I feeling today like what might what might I need what could I set an intention for for today and like that's all you need to do for for a spring for example you know and then a similar sort of process at the at the end of the day um but I'm a, a massive fan of um doing the bare minimum <laughs> well not doing that <laughs> setting yourself the goal of doing the bare minimum yeah. you know and you were saying with the one percent thing often one percent turns into a much bigger percentage yes you yeah. know so it's the equivalent of saying I'm gonna do one sit-up and if I feel like doing some more then I'll do some more but one is absolutely enough because it's kind of hard to argue that you don't have the time to do one mm. Whereas it's really easy to argue, I don't have the time to do a hundred. I don't have time to run five miles. No, but you know, could you put your trainers on, walk outside for thirty seconds, and walk back in? Like if that's your minimum. Yeah. Um, like, and it, it feels so much better to like to constantly be like meeting your goal and exceeding it. Yes. Than right. constantly be failing because you set yourself something that there was absolutely no hope in hell you would ever be able to do anyway. Yeah, I really like that too. Um, I think for me, especially since having Patrick and like quite often, um, like I don't set an alarm clock. I just rely on a baby waking me Mm -hmm. up in the morning. And I think sometimes it's quite, having a baby wake you up, it feels like sometimes like I'm being jolted awake and just Mm -hmm. thrown into a situation. But actually even applying that model to that, I now go, so I've got a nice comfy, well, we've actually got a, like a, a day bed thing in his room so good and just sitting there and like relaxing with him I've actually put on just some like nice soothing music so it's mm-hmm. not like I'm meditating or anything but it's just a really lovely way to start the day and it's sort of you know I assume that as he gets a little bit older that will change as well mm-hmm. um but I think it's not always like, I I haven't always found it sort of obvious how to um, adapt these things to motherhood but there's always ways and as you say it's just like the small you know a small change and setting that intention can make quite a big difference yeah absolutely and I really love that example because it's the reason I sort of come up from like a principles-based approach allows people the flexibility to find a way to make it work for them mm. you know like given given the circumstances that you're in you know how how could you ease into the day a little bit more and I really I really love that and I imagine that's really good for for Patrick you know they'd have like some cuddles first thing in the morning and uh you know again to like ease into things I know yeah I noticed when you say this I want to like keep on and on talking like I feel like both of us could talk about this right oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try and wrap us up in the interest of time sure. um just to finish with then could you 
tell our listeners a little bit about what services you're offering at the minute and where people can find you online. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the easiest place to go is to my website, which is thepracticalbalance.com. Um, and there are a few things that I'm offering at the moment. So uh, there's this like a seven day uh, introduction to cyclical living um, where I've collaborated with a whole bunch of other coaches as a whole platform called Selfful Centric. So there's all bun- a whole load of like seven day challenges you can do um, to give it a go there. Um, other ways to sort of experience working with me is I run something called Connection Cafe. Um, which I know you you're so a, nice. a regular attender, attendee at and that's uh, 8am every Wednesday morning at the moment although I have plans to to offer a couple of other time slots as well and that's um uh yeah how, how would you describe Connection Cafe? Oh I just love it I just love Connection Cafe <laughs> I would say um it's movement meditation and connection those are the three things that um I really take away from it but I think as a mum it's it's become a really important I'd say like almost a vital part of my week for feeling like I'm giving myself some space um and the thing I also really like about it is that it's really made me um more aware of how lots of people in lots of different situations feel face very similar challenges mm. um and there's like there's real shared connection to be had there yeah yeah beautiful thank you um I I love it as well um so I I really see it as a place where I'm giving people the opportunity to to practice being more of themselves so getting away from like the shoulds and the expectations and and being present with what's real for us um and you know witnessing that in in other people as well um so that's something I'm offering and then um one-to-one coaching is the other the other big thing for me um I've kind of got plans for courses and, and, and all the rest of it at some point later this year. But my focus right now is really on the, the one-to-one coaching. Um, and I, I coach people around a lot of the stuff we've talked about today. So uh, cyclical living, um, I use a lot of embodied techniques around that. Um, I'm really interested in sort of this idea of like authenticity and, and helping people show up more of, uh, more of themselves. Um, so yeah, all of that's on the website if people want to uh, give that a go. Fantastic. Um, and I know you mentioned as well about the the moments of calm and the chaos. There was you, yes. you have a little uh, kit. To... Yeah. So I have something called the crisis kit. So this came out of actually about this this time last year when we were you know just going into into lockdown. And you know I've worked in some. I mean I've worked in war zones. Uh, you know it's called spade a spade. Um, you know some really high stress, high pressure um, environments. And I was noticing how you know, how difficult the lockdown has been for a lot of people. So the crisis kit is a little collection of very practical tools and um, practices to help people find those little moments of chaos. So there are tools that are literally like 30 seconds that you can do to allow you to catch your breath. Um, Some other ways of kind of like, you know, those moments where things feel really overwhelming, there's just too much to do. How do you focus on like what is actually the most important thing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's normally 25 pounds um and for your listeners because I appreciate like how difficult this can, uh, this has been for parents particularly like with homeschooling and things um people can get 50% off uh that um at the moment so not only do you get 50% off but I'm also allowing you to share it with a friend oh wow um, oh my goodness what a lovely yeah. 
Thank you. That's really, yeah, yeah. it's very much appreciated. Um, I mm. think for me, that moment of like crisis shows up when like I'm trying to cook dinner and my older son, Ethan, comes in from nursery. He's tired. He's grumpy. Probably hasn't had enough to drink. Mm-hmm. Patrick's there like taking everything out of the cupboards. And I feel like that's the moments that I can really benefit from something like that. Yeah, exactly. So like lots of practices uh, that you can like, use in the moment, um, but also encourage people to kind of practice that. It's a skill. Like it's a skill to be in that kind of situation and remember like how you can kind of come back to yourself, how you can remember to be present and and to focus on what's actually important. Because, yes. you know, we get very kind of caught up in, well, you know, I've got to make dinner and I've got to do, I've got to do this, this, this and this. Actually, like what's really important right now and I used to, so the, the job that I used to have in, in international development, I was responsible for security and I had colleagues working in Afghanistan. And so for me, a good day meant nobody died. Like that was my, and it, I think it's exactly the same for parents, right? The thing that is actually important right now is that everybody's alive and everybody feels loved. Like, so how can I like reorientate myself in those moments to, is everybody alive? And can everybody feel a little bit more loved right now? Yeah. Um, so yeah the crisis kit is is full of little little ways to help you do that fantastic thank you so much Vix um so I'll um for anyone listening I'll put all of those things in the show notes so refer back to those or please feel free to get in touch with either myself or or Vix if you want to hear more um and with that thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure and a real joy to have you here um and I really appreciate your time so thank you Oh, thank you. You know, we, we we talked about this idea of like following, like, how do I feel more alive? And and for me, like, this is like, I would spend my life doing this if I could. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> do anything. It's like sit and talk about the things I care about. More of this, please. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'll let you go and enjoy your day. Well, thank Bye. you so much for me. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Balancing Act podcast. If you've loved what you've heard, I would be incredibly grateful if you could rate and review the podcast so that we can spread the word to all the working mums out there looking for more balance in their every day. If you'd like to hear more, then come join my free five-day challenge on how to create more balance as a working mum from the 19th to the 23rd of April. Head over to at Debbie Lico on Instagram to sign up. Until then, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Bye for now.